thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you brought me, yes, you brought me from a mighty, a mighty long way. A mighty long way. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus, 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 thank you, Lord. Oh, you brought me, yes, you brought me from a mighty, a mighty long way, a mighty long way. Oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus.
talk to you this morning from the subject why who and go why who and go as Christians as disciples of Jesus we all need to be aware of the relationship between direction and purpose in the context of our passage, we see this relationship displayed through two interrogatives and an imperative. Because of the influence of society, the church is far more sensitive to direction than to purpose. Churches generally see their responsibility as guiding people to travel the road of life headed in the right direction. And to be sure, direction is important. But we frequently overlook the greater challenge of helping people understand not only the way they should travel, but why. True fulfillment is just as dependent on one as it is the other. Often we are shocked by the actions of people and systems that we thought, that we hoped were headed in the right direction. While many of us are delighted at the outcome of the recent presidential election, we're equally dismayed and put off by the fact that more than 71 million people in this country voted for a man who has a proven track record of incompetence, greed, xenophobia, and abusiveness toward women and people of color. There was no repudiation, no regret, no remorse. It's clear that 
where there is an inability to discern proper purpose, there will invariably be a move in the wrong direction. While COVID-19 cases and deaths spike in every area of this country, business and corporate entities, conservative state legislatures, and even conservative churches promote individuality over safety and common sense. Businesses are all about profit. Conservative politicians are all about retaining votes and perceived power. But conservative pastors seem to have forgotten Jesus' mandate that we love our neighbor more than we love ourselves. It's just another reminder that just because you have a cross on the door doesn't mean that you're preaching Jesus. Just because there's a steeple on the roof doesn't mean that you love the Lord. Where there is an inability to discern proper purpose, there will invariably be a move in the wrong direction. All around us are people and systems that are experiencing a disconnect between direction and purpose. Well, our scripture lesson can give us valuable insight into the importance of having a healthy relationship between direction and purpose. Our text deals with the conversion experience of Paul on the Damascus Road. But there is more involved than may be immediately apparent. It speaks of a spiritual awakening of a man of tremendous potential at a crucial juncture in his life. According to all criteria by which he would be judged in his culture, Paul was headed in the right direction. If his life were measured by a school grading scale, Paul would have been an honor student. Family background, A. Formal education, A. Religious training, A. Social acceptance, A. Good intentions, A. Progress in relationship to his age, A. There is no doubt that Paul ranked high in all major areas of life by worldly standards. And all this gave evidence that Paul was headed in the right direction. But what the Damascus Road experience revealed was that Paul had a problem with his purpose. And because Paul's purpose was wrong, he was headed in the wrong direction despite everything going his way. I need you to understand that Paul wasn't headed in the wrong direction geographically. He was headed in the wrong direction spiritually. He was headed in the wrong direction regarding his intention and his purpose. At the start of the text, we're told that he was headed to Damascus. At the end of the text, we're told that he was directed by Jesus to go to Damascus. But between Paul's intention and his reaching his destination, there was a shift in his purpose. 
And it was the result of a question that Jesus asked. We get caught up in the drama of what took place on the Damascus Road, the bright light that shined and Paul falling to the dust, figurative of the spiritual rebirth that was about to take place in his life. But we miss the fact that when Jesus spoke to Paul, he asked a question. And the question had nothing to do with Paul's direction. It had to do with his purpose. The question was, why? My brothers and sisters, we are often so carried away with direction that we don't even stop to ask why. We don't take the time to deal with motive and purpose because we incorrectly define achievement solely on the basis of direction. And when achievement is purely social and educational and economic, that's direction, but direction doesn't ask why. This is particularly problematic when you're talking about successful people. You see, by comparison, Paul was far more successful than was the lost son in Jesus's parable. It was obvious that the prodigal son had a direction problem. All of the signs along the road that he traveled pointed to the hog pen. He started on the road of riotous living. We can see a mental picture of nightclubs and gambling shops, houses of prostitution, dope corners, and meth houses. But it's easy to spot prodigal sons making their way to hog pens. Everybody listening to me knows somebody who's a prodigal, somebody who's headed to the hog pen. These are folk headed in the wrong direction. And let me say, the church specializes in receiving people from hog pen highways. I thank God for every man, woman, boy, or girl that we save from the hog pen. But the point of the message today is that in addition to those who are on hog pen highway, there are others who are just as much in need of being rescued. Not because they have a direction problem, but because they have a purpose problem. Unlike the prodigal, Paul was cloaked in respectability. Paul was equipped with academic preparation. Paul was filled with religious zeal. No one could question his direction. Jesus didn't question his direction. In fact, when Jesus got through with him, Jesus didn't change his direction. But what Jesus did do was he changed his purpose. My brothers and sisters, please hear me today. There are folk in our churches that we deal with regularly that are frustrated and depressed and disappointed and headed in the right direction, but for the wrong purpose. And to deal with fixing their purpose, we need to deal with two interrogatives. We need to deal with why and we need to deal with who. 
look back at the text and, and see that Jesus wasted no time with trivialities. He got right to the heart of the matter. The first thing Jesus did was challenge the why of Paul's purpose. Why, Paul, are you pressing at me so hard? Why are you coming at me the way that you are? Why are you out to get me? Why are you using your intellect, your talent, your training like you are? When you think about it, Jesus was questioning Paul's purpose. And with all of his brilliance, Paul couldn't answer the question. Shiloh, I know you're watching this morning. You who are viewing this worship experience, can you answer the question why? Why are you doing what you do? Why are you following the crowd that you follow? Why do you have the lifestyle that you have? Why do you spend your money on what you spend it on? Stay with the question a little longer because it gets deeper. Why do you have no joy in your life? You're doing everything that you want to do, and yet there's no joy in your life. Why do you have no peace of mind? Why is there no satisfaction? Why, when you seem to have everything going your way, you're a member of the right organizations, you got the right job, and yet there's something missing in your life. Jesus confronted Paul with the why of his purpose. The church has to confront people and systems with why. Now, here's the thing. Why can only be answered in relationship with Jesus. You see, there's a reason why Paul had no answer. All he had learned in Tarsus gave him no answer. All he had learned from Gamaliel gave him no answer. He was doing what culture said do. He was doing what family said do. He was doing what society said do. But none of those things could give him an answer to why. And church, just like Paul, many of you listening to me don't have an answer to why. Peer groups can't give it to you. Schools can't give it to you. Civic organizations can't give it to you, and you're frustrated. You're irritated because you're moving in a direction without purpose. Paul couldn't answer Jesus' why, but he had sense enough to ask who. Who are you, Lord? Who is it that's speaking to me. And let me tell you today, if, if, if you're seeking purpose and you can't come up with a why, then you need to turn to Jesus and ask who. Purpose can't be found in personal ambition. Purpose can't be found in making money. Purpose can't be found in prestige and connections and perceived power. Purpose can only be found in our relationship with Jesus. Who are you, Lord? And I hear Jesus respond. I am Jesus. Oh, church, I don't know about you, but I love the I ams of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and 
the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the vine. And you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me shall never be hungry. Whoever drinks from me shall never thirst. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. When we discover who, our purpose becomes clear. When we discover who, our spirit gets humble. Paul realized that his purpose was not tied to his direction, but was tied to his relationship with Jesus and his willingness to make a change. Essentially, Paul said to Jesus, since I don't know what to do, I need you to tell me what to do. My way has not been working, so I need you to show me your way. And that leads to, 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 to my final point. It's when Paul discovered who that Jesus gave him purpose. Because I hear Jesus give Paul an imperative. Go. Go into Damascus. Go in the direction that you were going. Go to the destination that you had originally, but don't go in your strength. Don't go in the name of religion. Don't go in the name of orthodoxy. Don't go in the name of worldly power. Don't go in the name of personal ambition, but go in the name of Jesus. And if you go in my name, I'll show you what to do. Church, it's not enough to be going in the right direction. You've got to go with the right purpose. And going with the right purpose demands that you go in the right name. And there's only one right name. And that name is Jesus. Jesus soothes my doubts and calms my fears. Jesus gives me peace in the midst of confusion. Jesus gives me hope in the midst of despair. Jesus keeps food on my table and clothes on my back and a roof over my head. Jesus opens doors for me that men have closed against me. Jesus keeps my enemies on my trail. Jesus builds a hedge around me and protects me. Jesus gives healing to my body and sanity to my mind. Jesus has made my purpose clear. And my purpose is simply to tell you there is a name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Where? Of things in heaven, of things in earth, and of things under the earth. At the name of Jesus, every tongue must confess. Confess what? That Christ is the Lord of all. I thank God he gave me purpose. And I'm 
going to spend the rest of my days telling everybody I can, come and see a man who told me everything about myself. Is not this the Christ?